You're listening to the Painted Goddess podcast with Jennifer Hershu. This is episode number 78. Well, hello, witches. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Jennifer. I'm your host and the founder of Painted Goddess, and I hope that you're doing all well. Doing all well. Um, (laughs) Dramatic pause. Things have gotten, you know, interesting this year, right? I don't think I have to tell anyone this. When I look at the astrological situation, let's call it, and when I looked at it last year, this time last year I was reading for a handful of clients, probably I think like 15 clients. I did what I call a Jupiter year ahead spread. I offered that this year. They're sold out, but I'll, I will continue to do this work because I think Jupiter is the key to kind of optimizing your growth. If you're, you know, a person who is looking to focus on that growth cycle on like a, a larger scale, right? We all know that we have New Year's resolutions and kind of annual things. And in the lab, we do a solar harvest cycle where we look at how we move through the year with the sun through our houses in our natal chart. And we kind of use this as a compass right it's a map and we can we can focus in and listen to the kind of cosmic weather that's affecting us personally and focus there so that we optimize whatever's up for us right now as far as jupiter's concerned these are larger cycles jupiter has a 12-year cycle so there is um a very poignant you know interesting thing that happens every 12 years in your life i mean consider it you're 12. This is the time when you pretty much reach puberty. You're 24. This is the time when you kind of usually stop hating your parents if they were reasonable, right? If you, <laughs> because you you've gone through that's the that's the that's the end of that you know, adolescent young adult phase, right? Um, and also we usually, you know, if you're on the regular quote unquote, con- you know, conveyor belt track, it's often when you graduate college, um, the next 12 years to 36, you've had your first Saturn return. You're, you know, looking towards building a different kind of growth in yourself, but you're pretty much you know, two thirds of the way to a hormonal decline, by the way. <laughs> um, be, you know, so you have these kind of growing years and then to, you know, 48, most women have are experiencing the change. Um, and and so and you're approaching a Chiron return. So there's, of course, more plat planets that can kind of be looked at as rites of passage. And we've you know, created words for these things, you know, like adolescence, like puberty, 
But when we look at it from a planetary perspective, it's very interesting, I think. And so, anyways, digression. You know, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> you know me. So, uh, the Jupiter year ahead spreads have been really good for me personally as an astrologer because it gives me that reason. Um, and thank you to all of you who support that work, both as as a person who's who's doing that work, but also, you know, you support yourselves through that work. I know a lot of my clients have been contacting me throughout this year and saying, like, regardless of all of this other shit that's been going on, your readings have been like on point. And it's simply because I'm following the map. Okay, like in my in, yes, I, you know, I have a lot of um, research in my and, and experience as an astrologer and looking at the stars, all these things. But, you know, ultimately, it's just me mixing metaphors and looking at things as they are. Um, like the, co you know, the cosmic weather is my map, right? So um, I just say what I see. And it's, it never ceases to amaze. It's very interesting. Um, anyways, another, <laughs> I digress again. But I wanted to kind of, you know, say thank you for those of you who have booked again. I have a lot of return clients. And then um, I brought on a couple other new clients. I hope that, um, you know, these readings really serve us this year. Because I've looked ahead on a very zoomed out level, by the way. You know, every day has transits and every week has a, you know, a, a kind of, uh, you, know, you know, it's part of a lunation. It's part of a sun cycle. It's part of all the cycles, right? But to look at from that, you know, 10,000 foot view where I look at the year, I look at where the planets are moving into and when, um, when conjunctions are made between very like slow moving bodies, right? Or, or large kinds of squares. I look at just any kind of incidents where it's like, there's an anomaly, you know, where there might be two new moons or two full moons in the same sign, uh, where there may be quite a few planets moving into a sign at one time. And the larger, you know, right, you know, we're looking at Saturn and Jupiter moving into Aquarius at the end of this year. And so when Aquarius season hits and we're having new moons in Aquarius and full moons in Aquarius, like all of that's going to be punctuated. And it's definitely going to be affecting you in your chart where Aquarius lives, right? Like where Aquarius is in your chart. And so I'm just fascinated by this work and I think it's really, really useful. So looking ahead to this next year, I've been really comforted by the fact that I'm not feeling the same as I did last year when I looked at the the weather, the cosmic weather that was coming up. And, you know, we're getting, we're going through this birth canal of sorts. And it's been very interesting to look at, you know, the basis of my work is to, you know, remain in power over yourself, myself, right? Like that's, my work is, is the work that I do in the world, right? I do this myself. It's like, how, how can I come home? How can I come back to my body? How can I come back to my heart, right? And how can I align my mind with my heart? And how can I listen 
deeply to those in my life that I'm in relationship with and really hear them? And how can I communicate my needs and my opinions and my ideas with room, you know, for others to disagree without me taking it personally, which is, you know, <laughs> this is the, these are the days of our lives, right? Like this is really, <laughs> and so that's the work that I've, I, I kind of hope that, you know, I, I'm just constantly thinking of how well astrology speaks to and tarot as well, for that matter. These archetypal languages, they're ancient systems. And I recently posted on Instagram, and I have a whole um, slew of slides talking about the different planets and what they kind of offer in regards to cycles and focus, right, and energy. And, you know, it's not to say that astrologers have not done this kind of thing before, but when I wrote these slides and wrote these things, I wanted to use a very basic template in order to speak about well, how does it show up? What is it, what is it, you know, manifest as in your life? Or what does it create when a planet is transiting something in your chart? And also, what is that natal placement kind of saying about what your uh, temperament might be or your mission might be here, your role might be, what you might be really good at? I know a lot of us are waking up to the fact that we've been programmed to do very singular task-oriented things in our lives and that we're not really finding a lot of joy. <sighs> there, I said it. And this goes for me too. Where do I find the joy? And it's so funny, like, that when I look at my chart, it's like, oh yeah, even though, I mean, I've been denying certain things or, or pulling away from certain things, parts of, parts of my life that I feel like are cliche or, or not, you know, not, um, meaningful. It's just very interesting to look at my life from an astrological perspective. At any rate, this next year is, you know, definitely going to be um, a year to grow with, a year to kind of push through to the other side, as my friend Jim Morrison said. And we're, you know, right now experiencing echoes from, you know, the, uh, we've been experiencing echoes from the 1960s in a, in a, in a very pronounced way for some planets, for some transits. Um, especially when it comes to Chiron, because Chiron's return, returned back to Aries. So those of you born in the 60s, you're experiencing a Chiron return. It's a midlife crisis. Okay, that's what we call it. <laughs> and we've, you know, never really just, you know, realized that there are ways that the the astrology leaving, leading up to that midlife crisis is trying to work us, is trying to teach us, it's trying to get us to pay attention in certain ways to certain things. Now, clearly, the dominant paradigm is reaching into your mind and trying to hijack your attention, and even everything can be like this. But through the way that astrology kind of mentions these rhythms throughout, or not mentions, um, you know, uh, it creates these cycles 
that when you watch these patterns emerge, and even if you look back, you know, I have a lot of students in the lab who have been looking back and have been like, whoa, that's what was happening. You know, because we have all these different cycles and returns that are happening in our natal chart. And it experience, we experience it differently based on the signs and maybe what planets are, are placed in that, in that chart on that, you know, in that area. But it's seriously just um, a really interesting um, and objective to some degree. As objective as humans can be, I think, because every piece of life is represented in the astrological wheel and in the planets and the, you know, qualities and elements, every, you know, each, each psychological aspect. So what I want to just kind of plug before we really get into is that the Astrologic Lab is open for enrollment all of the time. If you are in the lab now, thank you for one. I so fucking appreciate you. And every time I have a Zoom room full of beautiful souls to come and listen to the classes and to take part in those classes, I am just lit up. And this is why, you know, ultimately, I really only promise um, monthly content coming out into the email. But and I thought, you know, maybe once a month I'll have a class, but I'm not going to promise that because I don't know how this is going to go. Right. If people are going to show up and all of that. Right. Because to do something with less energy is it's hard. It's a bummer. Where is on you? But everything's been so amazing with people showing up at the at the classes that I've been having two or three classes um, every month. And, you know, I can't I can't say that that's going to happen in December necessarily. December is quite an interesting month, isn't it, with holidays and, and winding down to the end of the Gregorian, the Greg and them calendar. As I heard this wonderful woman say once on a, she, I can't remember her name, but she was like, Those, that Greg and them calendar, I was like, yeah. Because it's not a lunar calendar. Anyways, I digress. So <laughs> so I want to formally invite you to join us in the lab. I offered when in the onset of this lab a founding price. And since then, it's been $37 to join the lab. It's a killer deal, in my opinion, because when you put yourself to work on yourself, that return on investment is seriously 100 and billion percent, right? It's just, it is. And, um, and I know there are also some folks who, you know, um, who can't afford that. So if you are interested in coming to classes, but don't want to join the lab, I'm going to be putting out some class pass deals for um, the holiday season, for the end of the year, really, um, so that if you want to take a couple of the classes and see how I teach and that kind of thing, um, then uh, then I would love to invite you in that. In fact, um, I'm gonna yeah, I'm, so I'm gonna have a class pass that you can buy that has three classes in it. You'll get a um, calendar. For the lab, I put out a calendar every month so that 
um, those in the lab can can know when classes are. So I will put you on a list where you will receive the list of classes that are upcoming um, so that you can use your pass. When you, um, and, and that'll just kind of ongoing. I haven't decided quite on the price yet for that. Um, I don't want to make it, you know, I, I think it'll probably be 20 bucks for three classes. It's kind of a killer deal, but I wanted it to just be like, here you are, you can come in um, and check out the lab. Um, I will offer every once in a while, probably once a quarter, I'll do a class that's free and open for anyone to come and join um, as I kind of welcome in new members. Um, they don't always get a 101 class, and so I've kind of made the commitment to myself to, to do a 101 class every quarter. And so that next 101 class will probably be in January because I did one in October. And the, the, you know, the basic of that class is just to teach the really basics of the astrological wheel, all the signs, the, the elements, how, how that moves through the year, that kind of thing. So that class, you know, is also something that, um, you know, I want to offer free to the community. If you're a listener on the podcast and want to pop in, you just have to be on my email list in order to receive invitations. Very often, if you follow me on Instagram, I post there first just because like I hang out on Instagram and talk to other witches a lot. So that's that's also a possibility. If you follow me on Instagram, sometimes you don't need to, to be on the email. But if you want to receive... Um, an actual schedule for the classes and and all of that within time and you and you want to buy a pass to come to class that's the way to do it is be in the email I'll be sending out something um, soonish um, to announce those class passes um, if you're in the lab and you're interested in you know getting a class pass for your friends or family um, let me know because I'll probably give you a deal <laughs> or a discount. Um, and I'm also, and in fact, I'm probably going to be sending the, um, all the members of the lab, like a free class pass for one of, you know, like one free class pass. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to plug that, you know, right now I'm, I'm gearing up Saturday, Saturday, the 21st of November, Sagittarius season begins. The sun moves into Sagittarius. And this is ruled by Jupiter. So Jupiter's moving um, soon too, right? So there's lots of Jupiter energy happening um, and it's gearing up. It's no longer, you know, it spent some time this year retrograding all of it in Capricorn. It's been a really Capricorn year. A time for structure, a time for systemic change, a time for systemic growth of, of maturity and wisdom. <laughs> I know, right? You can see it, can't you? I'm not sure everyone's getting the message, um, which is why I insist upon, you know, learning from astrology, by the way. But um, when Sagittarius season um, content comes out on Saturday, it will include a harvest map for the last Jupiter cycle, which started in 2009. So, yeah, I created this map where you can just put your natal chart in the middle of it and look at 
the years and follow along and notice when there were retrogrades and so how it goes into the houses. And then during um, Sagittarius season, I will be holding a class in the lab um, to um, to help people, you know, kind of decipher what that means and look at their Jupiter cycles. So I'm really excited about all of that. I'm really excited about, you know, what's emerging every month. I have so many ideas for the lab going forward. You know, I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, next year when we wrap around and the lab's been, you know, we have our one year anniversary of the lab. We'll have, I'll have put out content for every planet that rules a sign, okay, and every sign. So all the sign materials will be there and all of the planet materials, the basic planets will be there. So that's when I think we're going to start really up leveling everything and um, starting to do kind of different and new kinds of astrology and, and really dig into some new rabbit holes. So I'm super excited in general about the lab. It's been a really beautiful thing. And yet I understand that your time, attention and money are, you know, you get to choose where to put that. And I'm really grateful and humbled that I am able to do this work and to show people how this works. And I am honestly just really, really grateful. So, um, and for any of you who have been in the lab, um, you know, if you're considering coming back at all, please let me know. I'd love to, um, to get you back in there. And also if you have friends, family, different, you know, you know, if you run into somebody and you just think, oh man, you know, they could benefit from cycle work. And, um, I would hope that I would come to mind. So, all right. Let's get into the meat of this podcast. So on the other side of this little bricky break, I will be talking about Venus moving into Scorpio. Venus moving into Scorpio is kind of a big deal right now um, because of, you know, Mercury's in Scorpio. We just had a retrograde that involved um, Mercury moving into Scorpio and retrograding there. We had Scorpio season, obviously, which you know, is not quite over yet. <clears throat> so there's this, you know, and, and this is how this works, right? Mars, Mars, Mercury, and Venus often travel together. They kind of like, you know, it's like everyone is early or late to the party. And then, you know, depending on who's retrograding or whatever, like they, you know, they kind of move around. So those, those planets that are closest, you know, to the sun and to earth, you know, really move through the signs kind of with us, which is really the sun, right? Like how we see the sun moving. And so we really do experience, you know, concentrations of energy all year. So Venus is joining the party. She's, you know, late to the party. <laughs> um, you know, Mars is, is just like boycotting the party because he just can't even keep his shit together. He's still making and waging um, war for Lilith and Aries. And so, you know, we've got the sun moving from Scorpio to Sagittarius and, you know, Venus is going to take her time. She's going to be 
in um, in Scorpio for a little over a month from the 21st of November till the 15th, 16th of, of December, depending on your time zone. And um, it's going to be kind of an interesting, sweet time. It's a it's it's something to take um, take notice of amongst the fray. So after this little break, we'll dig in. Let's let's unpack this a little bit. <laughs> if I can get my thing to like <laughs> Oh 2020. Okay, so let's, okay, first of all, in astrology, Venus represents, of course, you may know, I mean, Venus was a goddess of love and war, by the way. She was not, you know, and if you think that goddesses are one-sided, please dig in, please dig into goddess mythology. Most of them, if not all, I haven't met one yet. Um, that didn't have, you know, a multiplicity, a shadow and a light. And this is the way that astrology works too, which is one of the ways that I think can heal our dichotomous mind. You know, you, you really must start to discover within, um, the ways in which a spectrum works. It's, it's beyond the dichotomy, right? We can't, we can't have one without the other. And so they coexist in a way that merges. And when you can hold both things, you know, this is the beauty of being human. We can hold both things and we can be very deliberate in choosing, um, in theory. <laughs> right. So, so that's, you know, the goal in, a, in so many ways is to, is to discover, to hold, to feel and to act, right? And astrology is the same. Venus, she moves into a new sign. Um, she's been in, obviously, she's in right now, ending up, right? Ending the, her transit through Libra. And Venus in Libra, you know, Venus rules Libra. It's the planetary ruler of Libra. So Venus, you know... Uh, she's like this, you know, harmonious kind of, um, active, um, uh, she's a peacemaker, right? And she's, you know, Lady Liberty in some ways. So there's been, you know, clearly, um, a lot of peaceful talk. No, no, right? It doesn't always, it doesn't mean like, oh, well, Venus is in Libra, so everybody's going to be like, peace, love, and joy. But like, there is this, you know, there's this questioning, I think. When when Venus moved into Libra, of course, during election season, she's doing the best she fucking can, okay? But it's like, these questions of, and what we can use, you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I can ask, like, where is the love? Where is the harmony? 
where is the, you know, the, you know, Libra loves freedom and equality of fairness. And when Venus moves into there, that's what she, she goes, she goes to work. She's an activist in so many ways. And um, an activist for love in the highest way um, on a really high vibration, right? Because she, she sees everybody and sees their validity and sees their worthiness regardless of the shitty things they just said to somebody, right? When we focus on, um, on a specific kind of um, transit, like Venus in Libra, we can really start to think of and uncover maybe um, those universal things that do bring us together that we do feel like should be fair. And I think that when, when you look at where Libra is in your chart and you notice that, you know, Venus comes to visit that part of your chart, it might tell you a little bit about how you relate to feelings of harmony or freedom um, or rather equality and fairness, not so much freedom in Libra, right? Free, free to be fair, free to be equal, right? And, um, and partnership is also a big Libra theme. And so Venus wants to to spread the love around in in wherever she goes and yet she also protects those who are not being um loved right and in libra it's like well who's not getting their equal shot and you see this kind of this is where it starts exploding everybody's arguing about the freedom to express themselves and to do it with being an unfettered. And then the real question of, well, yes, you have your individual rights, but if it's dangerous, what is it? What is the, what do we do with that then? If it's, if it's uh, harmful to, you know, the partnerships between people or the union of these United States for one, or even the global, you know, efforts to create change and, and, and freedom for all, right? When we look at Libra from a global perspective. So I think Libra, Venus and Libra has had her work kind of cut out for her and she's, you know, here to speak <laughs> for those who have not had their equal, you know, their fair chance. And um, and I see that a lot. I also see, you know, part of the, the shadow in that, and I'm supposed to be talking about Libra or uh, Venus in, in Scorpio, but clearly I have to, you know, break down and unpack the Libra thing first because it's, you know, it's been on my mind too. But the shadow also of this is, you know, Venus, you know, when I'm curious and it makes me think of like this damsel in distress around the equality you know someone calling and saying I don't have freedom you're taking my freedom and and I'm curious around that I think that with 
the Mercury retrograding through, we were looking at what do we even think harmony, equality is, right? What do we even think that that means? And certainly in this country, we have greater capacity and freedom than we probably realize, right? I mean, we're fish in water. We've We've had this, I can just speak freely on this podcast. No one's going to come to my house. So it's, it's interesting to consider, you know, the difference of opinion that you might find around the world, around what, what equal even means. But when we, when we fall victim to this thought that, you know, I'm not being treated equally, and how do I respond to that? And I think Venus responds with um, with that kind of shadow side of herself. I mean, she goes to war because she loves, in, in Libra, she loves that equality so much. She wants people to feel their worth. And the reality is, is that no matter how fair we make things at the top level, you know, we have to do these things within our homes. We have to start on a personal level. So how can you equalize your relationships? I mean, it gets down to your kids even. In my opinion, children should be treated as humans, not children, right? And I think you know what I mean when I say that, but maybe you don't. And, <laughs> you know, I treat my children as if they have their own sovereignty already because at some point they're going to have to make decisions now of course I don't just let them do whatever without my commentary because that's also very much of the world right and they're always going to hear people's thoughts and opinions and they get to grapple with their own thoughts and opinions around others thoughts and opinions but I try to stay out of their decision making as much as I possibly can um, and still, you know, keep them safe. So, and that to me feels fair and equal. <laughs> and so, but when people grow up not even really knowing what it means and everybody is kind of controlled by a pretty strong subset of moral beliefs, sometimes religious beliefs, um, oftentimes, um, uh, you know, just even, um, you know, community contracts that are unspoken, right? You don't do certain things. There's a reason why, you know, people think, oh, I want to get, I want to wear, you know, when I was young, it was like, oh, you know, purple hair, or getting my nose pierced was a, was a, an act of rebellion, an absolute act of rebellion. Um, and at some point I recognized that I wanted to be seen as rebellious. And so I would, you know, I got my nose pierced. I shaved my head. Because I wanted people to, like, be disrupted. I wanted their reality to be disrupted. That's what I wanted. I wanted them to know that not everything was Karens and Chads and, you know, love, light, live, whatever. Love, laugh, live. I wanted them to be uncomfortable. Because I was uncomfortable and I was in pain. Now, I'm not to say that expressing yourself in any of those ways means that you're in pain, right? 
now I wear purple hair because I still want people to know, like, I'm not necessarily the status quo, but, you know, it's a little more normal now. I'm a 42-year-old woman with purple hair, and it's fine because we've normalized it, you know. So, but now what's that new thing? What's the new thing that would ruin the party, that would disrupt the background music, right? And and that's another part of, like, Venus and Libra is very, it's like harmonious vibes. So as we move into Scorpio, okay, let's talk about Venus and Scorpio. Venus moves into Scorpio and she's like, it's like she went, um, <laughs> I'm going to tell a story. I lived in Portland in the 2000s. And in fact, if you go back and listen to, I think, the opener for season two of this podcast, you'll hear some stories. Um, but one of the things that I was going through, a, a very deep and dark kind of existential crisis, um, it was the year 1999 to 2000 when I lived in Portland and... I didn't live for there for very long, um, but I was working at an Alzheimer's unit as a um, housekeeper. I was taking two buses across, three buses across town um, from Southeast Portland to Beaverton every day that I worked. I didn't work a full schedule, but my rent was cheap. It was like two fifty a month to live in this really cool old house made um, built in the nineteen or built in the eighteen nineties. And I had a room in this house with a bunch, you know, there's a bunch of people that lived there. Um, one of them I knew fairly well, but not really well. Um, and we, of course, became like lifelong friends. She actually created the music that I play on my interims. She's a beautiful, um, classically trained pianist, musician, artist, all these things. At any rate... I, when I lived in Portland, I was, um, I was l lost inside of myself. And it's not to say that I was lost. I was just, I was just like stewing within myself. I had been told a lot of things by a lot of people that turned out to be fucking bullshit. Right. And so I, and I was, um, I was 21 yeah. Is that right? Math. Yeah. I was 21. Going to be 22 in, in 2000. Okay. So, so that year when I, or that, that few months that I lived in Portland, I would, I, I would go just walking and I would kind of decide before I went walking that I would just kind of say yes to things and just see where things took me right I had read the Celestine proper uh, pro prophecy a few years before that and I was determined to make sure that I was out in the world so I could meet and talk to and experience everything I was you know meant to experience so that I you know would grow in the way that that I grow you could almost call it like a mission right it's very very christian of me to like go on mission and just say yes and and really be of the of the place i was at so i would walk around and in you know so 
<laughs> me as Venus, moving around, going into places, trying to find this harmony vibe, right? And I mean, I went to Krishna meetings, I went to Buddhist, you know, meet, you know, uh, prayer, um, place, places of prayer. I went to tea, sh tea houses and, you know, Portland's an interesting place. I think that it's full of really heart centered people and it's a little like I'm, I feel like sometimes I'm not cool enough for Portland and that's a whole thing in my head, whatever. It's that high school lingering shit. But, and I felt that way to some degree as if there was some impostering going on, that I was, I was an imposter in my own body. Um, but I was writing a lot. I was listening to a lot of Ani DeFranco. I had ended up shaving my head while I lived there, um, and had kind of a breakdown around capitalism, around money, around, you know, what was the point of everything? And I just wanted everything to change. And when I would wander around, moving into Scorpio season, this is this long fucking drawn out story. Welcome. Um, it was like, all of a sudden, I would go into the dive bar world. So... When the nice bars closed or when I, you know, most of the time I didn't have very much money. Well, I knew I could go to a dive bar and some creepy dude would probably buy me a beer. Um, or the beer was really cheap, right? So there was a couple of bars on Morrison, which is not far from where I had lived. Who knows if they're still there. And, you know, I could walk in there and... I would be the only woman in the room, a young woman. I mean, clearly not safe. Like if I'm, whatever, mom and dad, I love you. But I would walk in there and I would sit down confidently and I would start writing and I'd maybe order a beer or someone would like literally buy something for me. And I would just sit there and write and I would wait for something to happen. And I would just write nothing. I could probably read um, some of that now and just be like, what was on my mind? I mean, I was just trying to figure out the world. I was trying to figure out why everything was, there was so much, for me, there was so much cognitive dissonance. And if you don't know what cognitive dissonance means, it means when you're holding two things in your mind, right? You know, like your experiential truth and the truth that is like the dominant truth that everybody's kind of t telling you, right? Because I was told that if I, if I, if I did good in school, if I stayed out of trouble, which I mean, I, I never got caught, so I technically stayed out of trouble. And if I went to college, which I had dropped out at this point, I'd stopped going to school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was paying like 25 grand a year going into debt, you know, in order to what, do what, do what? So I was told all these things and yet nothing felt meaningful. And I feel like when, not to, you know, <laughs> not to doomsday it, right? Because this is 2020, like how can things get? But I think Venus moving into Scorpio is like, is like me going back into the dive bar 
and, you know, truly uh, talking to the people because, you know, I, I, I didn't, I had enough confidence to walk in there alone. I had the confidence enough to sit there and mind my own business. I had the confidence enough to like sit there for hours doing my own thing. Sometimes people wouldn't talk to me. Sometimes they were like, what, what are you doing here? And ultimately by the end of the night at about one o'clock, someone would come and talk to me because it's one o'clock in a dive bar. But you know, and I never, you know, surprisingly, I never went home with anybody. I never got jumped on the way home to my house because I walked there. I, you know, nothing bad ever happened. Everything was always fine. Um, I felt very protected in the city. So regardless of how I should have felt. Um, but yeah, I really feel like Venus moving into Scorpio is going to be like, you get to lift, you know, Scorpio is the underworld, right? It's this kind of dark womb space. It's a place where fertility is literally happening because there's this fertile darkness of quiet and deep, dark water, right? It's the, it's the amniotic fluid. It's the place where everything is nurtured and insulated, and so when Venus moves into that, it's like, it's like feeling invincible in a very dangerous place. And I want you to consider how that plays out for you. And you might look back um, at, you know, Venus moving into Scorpio in other times. Um, and I have not prepared dates for you. Um but when we started this year, um, you know, Venus was in Aquarius. And again, I would say around the fall time is, you know, probably in general when Venus moves into Scorpio because she's following, you know, the sun, the sun and her and Mercury, you know, kind of travel together, right? Um, Mercury will retrograde, Venus will retrograde and hang back for a little bit, but then they generally tend to catch up. So, you know, this time of year is full of that time. And I have a little bit of a, you know, kind of exercise that you might try. Um, because I figure like you're probably a lot like me if you listen to this, because I have this dark sense of humor and sarcasm and also, you know, assorted whatever past, but you know, have you, you know, so I, I, I thought about this. I thought, okay, the theme for Venus moving into Scorpio would be transforming love, but not just love, like, um, desire. And, um, you know, I think in this place, there's possibility for us to be manipulated within that shadow. Like, you know, well, don't you want them to like you? Don't you want them to value you? You have to do these things. I mean, I was told that if I didn't act nice, if I didn't dress this way or whatever, like, what would people think? And I know I'm not alone. It's not, <laughs> it's not something I fucking say to my daughter, by the way. She still earlier was like, I feel like I shouldn't tell people that I watch 
these shows because they're for babies. Right? She's already feeling a sense of shyness and shame for liking something that she perceives that others would judge her for. And, I mean, she's been in a pandemic. Like, we don't judge her for shit. <laughs> um, I know that there are ways that, like, society still creeps in. She's, of course, watching shows, so she sees whatever's being mirrored there. But it's just interesting to me that we learn, you know, to hide the things that we're ashamed of. And we also learn to manipulate others to get what we want. You know, if I show up and I'm nice and I tell you what you want to hear or I do a reading for you and I'm like, shit's going to be, you know, all these, whatever it is. And I'm not completely authentic. Number one, I would, I can't. Um, if you've gotten a reading from me, almost always I'll cry during it. Not like sob cry, like be, you know, but you can, you know, I'll get choked up because something feels really real. But most often what happens is I'll say, God, that sounds like a lot. And I don't know if this is true, but I have to say it because this is how I'm reading it. And almost 100% of the time, the people who come back to me and say, Jennifer, oh, excuse me, uh, that thing that you said, that was right on. And I was like, you know, it's not like I'm like, yeah. I mean, but it's always to me, it's like when I, when, when something presents itself that way, you know, I, I can't act as though like there's no doubt in my mind. Because it's still my mind. It's still my translating system, right? It's still my translation of what is in front of me. So I don't think that, um, you know, it's, yeah, I don't, I still don't take it for granted is I guess what I'm trying to say. And so when we look at some of the people who come into the room and know, you know, believe that they belong there and believe everything they say and like don't question the things that they have experienced and and aren't willing to have a conversation around that inquiry because they're super happy in their comfort and they're super happy in that that blissful kind of thing that comes from self-assuredness, self-righteousness maybe, right? A part of me will always suffer because I'm agnostic about everything. I know what I'm giving up by subscribing to agnosticism. And that doesn't make me not like I'm still I'm a very spiritual person. I believe in energy. I think that energy is everything. I think we're exchanging it. I think that we're creating it. I think that this entire world is imaginary on some level because it began in that dark womb space of Scorpio energy. And so for me, and, and Scorpio is like my sixth house. So it's definitely like where I'm working in. I'm working in the shadows. I'm working in like, what can't you see? I'm working in the what's my blind spot. That's always been, it's like, and, and I want to dig around in the darkness and I want it to be painful. I don't mind the pain or the discomfort as long as it's true. And this is Scorpio. 
And Venus moving into Scorpio is like, I am ready to hear it. You know? I'm ready to handle the truth. <laughs> right? And I think there's a lot of waking up we all have to do because we're still being manipulated by the shadows of our own edges, the things that within us, and this is transpersonal psychology, right? We all have an edge. We all have a shadow self and we project it onto others. If you haven't read about transpersonal psychology, it's, you know, transcendent, transcending the personal, right? So, and this, this, this digs into a lot of things that Jung talked about, Carl Jung talked about where the archetypal language, there's this like, you know, um, imaginary drama playing out in so many of our relationships, right? When you recognize that the things you're judging others for, it's rubber and glue. I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever I say bounces off of you and sticks to me, basically. And if you have people in your life that you cannot understand or, um, and I've said this before, I think too, because I used this to understand, you know, some of the difficult people I was working with in my corporate life. I was like, Oh, you know, when they're blaming things, when they're like telling people that, you know, they're yelling, they're, you know, complaining they're all of it's about them has nothing to do with you almost 100% of the time. But when you're in a relationship with somebody that's very conscious, you're going to like basically, you know, how long do you hold up a mirror and deflect, 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 deflect until you recognize that you're, you know, you're, you're in the midst of loving yourself. Are you with me? Have I completely gone off the rails? These kinds of places where I go, I don't know. I write my notes. I don't fucking follow them. Um, Rebel Jenny takes over. But so I, back to back to kind of this like manipulation of the shadow, right? Like the shadow of Scorpio is like we can be manipulated by having our, um, you know, our feelings hurt, right? By being uncomfortable and, and avoiding discomfort as well. Everyone knows we want to avoid discomfort. We want things to be secure and safe. And so people use promises of those things in order to manipulate us, right? And so if you are onto this storyline, then you can recognize that you're actually trying to negotiate power any time that you are engaged with the shadow. But the thing is, is we don't have to have power over the shadow. We can just be with it, right? And this is what I think Venus, Venus is like going into the dive bar to sit in that quiet space of undisturbed discomfort. Right. Because when we go into the discomfort place, it's like, oh, it's kind of scary in here. My my senses are heightened. Right. I'm hyper vigilant. I'm noticing everything. And can I still exude love? Right. Like this is this is Venus walking into the dive bar in Scorpio. And 
she is she's confident that love is the way she's confident that love is literally everything that makes everything and she's confident that it lives in the darkness right because we must love the shadow parts of ourselves those parts that we hide away in the wrong part of town at the dive bar so visiting that shadow part of yourself right go to your own little personal dive bar who's hanging out in your dive bar who's drinking paps blue ribbon and playing pool in your dive bar <laughs> right who's doing drugs in the bathroom in your dive bar who's the bartender at your dive bar it's so crazy that I can like I can envision all of this happening and kind of attribute certain pieces of myself to these characters and I invite you to maybe do it maybe I'm crazy let me know please <laughs> let me know what you think about my sanity I'll dismiss it right away but I will take it into consideration um, you know, if, if it hits, right. <laughs> um, but we must in this way, then look at the way that we do this too, of course, outside of ourselves. So internally, we've got this dive bar, there's tons of them outside, they're all shut down right now, probably. But um, I'm curious too. you know, during circle when one cycle we built a lot we we went and visited our own love temple within ourselves so noticing that both are true you know this dive bar is full of really beautiful people maybe they're misunderstood maybe they're um you know castaways or black sheeps of the family you really want to have fun. I mean, we can't do this this year, but go to a dive bar on Thanksgiving evening or Christmas Eve evening or Chris, you know, and you will meet some of the most interesting people because none of them are with their family right now. And you know why? <laughs> because their family has ousted them or cast them in a certain way. They've sent them to the dive bar. But it's interesting to see what shows up for that. And I guess I just took that metaphor for a really long drive. But I, I think that Venus moving into Scorpio is going to be a very interesting way to come home to the shadow self. And I implore you to find love in that journey. I implore you to love yourself through it. Um, one of my dear friends, Stephanie, sent, we have this thread going um, uh, of all these badass witches. Uh, and <laughs> she sent this picture and it was of, if you've, if you've ever listened to the My Favorite Murder podcast, which I did, I binged on that shit for a really long time and I haven't listened in a really long time, in probably two years. At any rate, um the the host of that podcast say like the the greatest shit and a um and they have all these sayings that they'll then put on t-shirts and so one of them was that's terrible keep going 
or that this feels, this is terrible. This is terrible. Keep going. And, um, I was like, yeah. And, and one of them was like, is this our new motto? I was like, I think so. I mean, this is terrible. Keep going. Like, but take a break, take a break in the terribleness. That's what you know, love that terribleness, love that shitty part of town, right? It's built out of the things you cast away. It's built out of the things you told yourself weren't good enough to be part of your prime time self, right? You have a prime time self. You absolutely fucking do. And if you've been quarantining like everyone, your prime time self has had a break, maybe, right? I mean, my prime time self is... is <laughs> I mean, she is... You know, I'm not very prime time anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, I never really was very prime time, let's be honest. But it's gotten worse in some ways. You know, I'm not keeping schedules. I've been off my yoga. I've been eating poorly. I've been poorly nourishing my body. I've been, you know, so I, I love this idea of kind of sitting in that love with my darkness. Um, putting on some Simon and Garfunkel. Shout out to Laura, who always, you know, knows, pull some sword cards out of my tarot. And, and really think about why I, you know, can't just accept that these dive bars are the most beautiful fucking thing. And I'm not going to hide from them or hide them. And Venus wants to do this. And it happens, like I said, happens most years. Venus moves into Scorpio. Um, so it's time to go into the dive bar in your hometown and really meet those that are there and reintegrate some of them. And that doesn't mean giving them a love, live, laugh, love, you know, don't, you don't need to have them remodel the dive bar, right? It is what it is. Even if those things don't belong in your time right now, like, I just, yeah, that's interesting. It's like, I've, if they don't belong in your life right now, cause you've, you've moved on from doing those things like good, right? Me too. But it's just interesting to consider, oh, well, I'm not like that anymore. Right. Those thoughts that we have. And that's a, that's a soul loss. That's a break off. Because those people that we were got us through some hard shit. So what did we, what can we do to, to revisit it? All right, I'm going to stop talking. I feel like I've just gone down the dive, dive bar rabbit hole. And I don't know if it's, it's even <laughs> resonating. Let me know. This is another one of the six series that I'm doing for the last of the year, as we look at some of these transits that are really looking to integrate the whole of 2020. Okay. Venus moving into Scorpio is one of those transits at the, towards the end of the year that happens that is integrating shadow into that loving self. So how can you bring that in? That's what I want to leave with you. And also 
this one little tip. So maybe, maybe, and I'm going to do this, I think, on Canva and probably share it on Instagram because I love this visual. But maybe you build your inner dive bar, uh, you know, a la love temple. Like, can you do a mashup? Can you love temple your dive bar a little bit? Right? Not not so much that it's un, unmanageable, but my dive bar and my <laughs> mind is so dark and, like, sweaty. Like, peanuts on the floor. <laughs> like... I'm curious about that now, and I just want to go and do a meditation with it, so I'm going to. But, yeah, like, do a little sit-in. Think about your own personal dive bar. What is it that, you know, talk to the people in there. Why are they there? What, it, you know, what, what got them there? And then maybe even collage that, right, or create that in your mind so you have a visual image of, that and um how would you pour some love on that part of yourself that's been relegated to the dive bar on thanksgiving <laughs> all right thank you so much for listening i love you guys and um come and join me in the lab or you can even if you don't want to join the lab and you don't want to but you enjoy this work and you want to support what i do as an astrologer and a tarot reader in some small way, you can also sponsor this podcast. So on anchor.fm, you can go to anchor.fm slash painted goddess pod. I believe that's it. And you can sponsor this podcast. You can pay a dollar as little as a dollar a month. And every little bit helps me to support my work and my family and, um, if you do that, I'll give you shout outs. I'll, I'll start giving shout outs. I haven't really said anything about the sponsorships because, you know, but I know there are certain people who are looking for ways to support small businesses and which is like myself. So I wanted to put that out there um, and and leave that open. I love you. Have a beautiful day and reach out. Tell me what your little dive bar looks like. And if you end up creating a collage or doing any kind of visual representation or writing that, you know, tag me if you post it. Let me know. I'd love to hear how this lands. I know it's a weird, this is a, these are weird times. So, um, I'm not prime time anymore. <laughs> All right. I love you. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. It means so much for me to have this voice and for you to be on the other end. If you've never reached out, I hope that you will and let me know how this landed. If you're interested in learning more, go to paintedgoddess.com slash learn dash astrology and sign up for the lab. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Don't forget you are powerful as fuck.